The following program is a presentation of Hall Sports Communications. UGA Football News presents today's sports report. On today's sports report, we'll talk about University of Georgia football and more. And now, here's your host of today's sports report, Chris Hall. And it's good to have you with us today on today's sports report brought to you by UGA Football News. I'm Chris Hall, your host. And it's good to have with us today Bryce Kuhn, sports broadcaster, play-by-play man, uh, connected with ESPN and the ACC Network, just a a, a 247 sports. Uh, Bryce, now you were telling me before we went on the air that you were at the the, the Braves game last night. Now, as we are recording this, uh, that was the game in which uh, uh, Albies hit the home run of the 10th inning to beat the Reds exciting game i was up all that time but i didn't have to deal with the traffic after the game like you did uh but uh pretty exciting stuff at uh, turner field and as we brought as we record this uh, broadcast that puts the braves in a tie for first be- uh, be- uh, place in the national league eastern division now we're going to talk some football but you and i are braves guys boy that was yes. exciting was it not it was. I mean, listen, baseball, the one thing I love about it, it's a roller coaster of emotions. I mean, obviously, if you're a Braves fan, you know exactly what I'm talking about, especially this season. Uh, it's been it's been quite the season to have this roller coaster of emotions. So, obviously, they blow the five-run lead, they blow the save, and then, man, come back. And, you know, what's crazy is Albies at bat before, he just missed hitting one now, just shy of the, the wall right there in the chop house. And then, man, when he made contact, it was kind of funny. I was sitting just to the left, right above the Braves' bullpen. When he made contact, um, holy cow. I mean, that, the, the, the remaining fans that, listen, that went through the, the rain and, and were able to, to weather all of the, the potential storms to get that win, it's huge. And this is a, a game, you know, I was talking with my friends. It's one of the games you circle on the calendar, hopefully when Atlanta's in the postseason, and you say that was one that we really needed because the Braves haven't been all too successful in those one-run type of late-inning games. Really, this season, they, they kind of rekindled that magic from last year and years prior. And, man, that was just a very, very big win. Yeah, in fact, uh, last night, uh, uh, Chip Carey and the guys were talking about in extra innings, the Braves were batting 150, 150 in extra innings, and just like nothing with, uh, you know, runners in scoring position. So that was a great win uh, for the Bravos. and. Uh, you know, when Acuna went down, we kind of said, oh, boy, here we go. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we kind of were very much deflated. But I got to give props to uh, Alex Anthropolis, the general manager of the Atlanta Braves. If there's if there's a, a all-star, if there's an all-pro on the Atlanta Braves this year, and they have several, you got to have, you got to put Alex up there. What a great job this general manager has done to just retune the Braves and get them back up and you can feel the energy. He's done a great job, hasn't he? He really has. And this is something during his tenure with Atlanta, there hasn't been a lot of rumors that leaked out. And I think fans on social media, especially the days leading up to the July 31st trade deadline, were saying, what's going to happen? we got to make some type of move, especially when you hear all the rumblings about the Mets, the Phillies, and what they might do. Um, but listen, I mean, he, we know that due to constrictions on the ownership side, the Braves are a little bit more budget friendly. But I'm telling you one thing, they went out and revamped their entire outfield. I love the additions of Jock Peterson, which was a week before the trade deadline. You bring in Jorge Soler, and I'm telling you, the analytics department, they saw something in Soler where maybe he was, you know, 
hitting into some bad luck. Because I'm going to tell you one, that big man hits the ball very, very hard. He's very hard. He's a big hard. man, too. He's a, <laughs> he's big, a big guy. And listen, he's been better defensively than advertised, really. And that's been something to me that's huge. And then you talk about the back end of the bullpen, Richard Rodriguez. We were talking before the show started that uh, he just throws strikes. Doesn't throw. I mean, he's not one of the guys that's going to hit, you know, triple digits. But he throws around 93, 94, good movement. And uh, listen, this bullpen, they need some guys that can throw strikes. They need some of that uh, ability. And you play into the fact the starting pitching, in my opinion, has been fantastic since around June the 1st, June the 15th. Uh, that helps out your bullpen. They're not having to throw four or five innings a game. So you look at what this team's done. Uh, they're on they're on the right trajectory. And I always say this. You want to be playing your best baseball at this time of the year. That's what you want to do. You, I'd rather have a terrible first four months but play amazing the rest of the way into the playoffs. We're seeing that with the Mets. I mean, they were able to tread water for long enough, but some of their injuries have stacked up. And credit to Anthopolis. He... You know, obviously identified, and I'll say this too, you weren't ever going to replace Ronald Acuna. Mike Trout is not on the market, okay? Yeah. <laughs> you know, there's there's guys that are not in the market. So <laughs> he did a good job, in my opinion, of piecing together some uh, piecing together an outfield that went from it looked like a triple-A outfield at some points during the season to really having an outfield now that can be competitive and has some playoff experience to both with. I mean, you got Soler, who played in the World Series and won one with Kansas City. Right. And then you have Peterson, who's arguably been one of the most clutch bats uh, and Braves fans know that because it's been the Dodgers. We've had to play two out of the past three seasons in the playoffs. So that's something that's, uh, man, it's exciting. I love being a Braves fan, born in the state of Georgia. And uh, I was at the game last night. And just to see them kind of ever since that all-star break, pick it up. And like you said, a big credit has to go to that front office. Yeah, and you know, you know, is, is on, yes. uh, he's coming back and he was having a great season before he had his little temper tantrum and he paid the price, a price for it yes. uh, and uh, injured his hand, but he, he, he's he's coming back as well very soon. And so that's got to strengthen Ian Anderson. Hopefully mm-hmm. we'll be back into the rotation. So if things are looking up for the Bravos and you know, we love it during, during football season. When you have, you know, the, the Bulldogs and, and you have college football really amping up and you also on another track, you have the Braves uh, winding up the, the season and getting into the playoffs. Man, that's good stuff for a Georgia guy mm-hmm. and uh, really enjoy that. Now, t- tell me a little bit about your bio. You, you, you do a lot of different things mm-hmm. and you have a wonderful podcast and I would encourage everyone to be sure to check in on it. The Crowded Booth Podcast. It's great. Now, you do play-by-play for ACC uh, softball and volleyball. and uh, Give me a little bit about your your bio and and all the things that you have going on right now in your life. You're a sports guy just like me. I love it. Tell me about what you're doing these days. Yeah, so uh, kind of just the jack-of-all-trades, trying to obviously make myself marketable as possible. So you talked about the podcast. have been kind of rolling with that for the past two years and absolutely love it. We've interviewed, and I know your Georgia listeners love this, we got to sit in and sit down in Vince Dooley's house in Athens and, and talk with Vince Dooley. And that was, that's that's the crown jewel right there. That was one that uh, was just a, a fun time. And so the podcast avenue, keeping that going, we also do a lot of local high school coverage in our area in Columbus, Georgia, uh, which is rich in high school talent. Um, you also talk about uh, the play-by-play aspect. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's uh, there's not a weekend during the academic calendar, we'll say, or athletic year where I'm not either driving over to Macon doing some stuff for Mercer up at Clemson doing some stuff, Georgia Tech. Um, so it's it's been it's just been a real blessing. I mean, it's a, it's a dream. And so you can when you get to live out that dream, it does not seem like work. And that's the that's the ultimate goal. And then obviously 24 seven sports cover recruiting 
which is a whole animal in itself. I know you guys uh, have talked a little bit about that before, and especially with the recruiting class that Georgia's hauled in over the past couple of years, it's it's been interesting to see. Yeah. So, but yeah, just recruiting in a talent-rich state. I mean, we talked about you're from South Georgia. Um, I'm from kind of the middle part of Georgia in Columbus. Man, this whole state is just filled with high school talent. Just have the opportunity to cover that, talk with some of these guys. I mean, it's really unlike anything else. I was talking with somebody the other day. Um, I don't think that people realize who are outside the state of Georgia. And listen, Texas, Florida, Alabama, to an extent, California, they've got great high school football. But man, uh, Friday Night Lights in the state of Georgia is, is quite the uh, quite the spectacle on uh, a fall weekend. Yeah, it, it, it's, it's like nothing else. And you know, I, I grew up in the day when Valdosta High School, back in the day, right Baysmore. You know, back, I, I'm dating myself a little bit, but back in the day when they were automatic national champions uh, year after year, and of course it was mythical national championship, but mm-hmm. you know, national champions in high school football and uh, grew up in that area. And now you know, in South Georgia, North Georgia, you know, there's a rivalry between South Georgia and North Georgia as yes. to who has the best uh, football. I think it's pretty well even out. Uh, I think year after year, you have teams from both regions of the state who uh, really advance and a lot of times wins uh, state championships. So it's a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun mm-hmm. if you're a, a football fan, and uh, high school football fan in Georgia. Well, let's talk a little bit about it. And of course, you know, on our program, we love to talk about the University of Georgia. That's kind of our snick and uh, we, we love to talk about that. And coming up, obviously, you, you know, everybody, I suppose, is looking forward to this game within mm-hmm. the Southeast as well as around the country. The Georgia-Clemson game, September the 4th, uh, Bank America Stadium, Charlotte, North Carolina, part of the opening weekend uh, for uh, college football, less than a month away. The hype is, you know, building and building and building. So I wanted to get your perspective a little bit uh, from, from you know, just uh, what you think uh, about the game as we approach the game, maybe your feelings about what team may have the upper hand and how things will go. You know, I love to talk about guy with guys and say, okay, well, tell me about the game. What do you think about this game? So I'll ask you, Bryce, what about this game? What do you think about it? Well, first off, I think uh, we're in an opportunity, and I was talking about this on our podcast the other day, where we've had so much over the past month off the field college football conversation, NIL, um, conference expansion, where we've also kind of lost sight a little bit. In about a month, we're going to have – some of the greatest slate of conference out of conference games and it all starts with this one right here georgia clemson i mean this is i think that this is going to have a playoff type of atmosphere um to have a game like this and you know we all cross our fingers and 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 pray that uh this is something where we're able to you know keep the full capacity and it's going to be you know an opportunity to really showcase what college football is about for the first time and it's i can't believe it's been two years since we've had a actual 100 percent capacity but listen, I mean, this game has everything you wanted from a college football fan. I mean, it has uh, two offenses that have the ability to be high-flying. I know that's something that Georgia's kind of lacked, especially last season towards the end of it. They, they were able to find some of that. Um, but this is the ultimate test for Georgia, in my opinion. The teams you played, and I'll say this too, you know, people who listen to say, well, he's a Georgia Tech guy. We told him before, I grew up a massive Dogs fan. So that's that's for your audience to know and to know only there. <laughs> okay. We'll keep that right we'll, there. We'll keep grew that right massive, between us. We're good. <laughs> grew, grew, grew up a massive Dogs fan. So, I, you know, I love Athens and all this thing and all this stuff. But this is a team in Georgia, in my opinion, really, that you showcase that high-flying offense against, and just to be frankly honest, except for Cincinnati, some of the lower echelon of the SEC. Uh, this is this is a case right here, right off the bat. You're going to know what you made of. Right. Um, there's no there's no tune-up. 
And, um, you know, I love the, uh, I, I'm not, I'm not one that hates cupcake games. We call them. I think they're good for tune-ups, but man, I'll tell you one thing, when you get this out of conference matchup, this is huge. And then on Clemson's side, I mean, you're replacing a generational talented quarterback and you're replacing the ACC all-time leading rusher. Um, and I'll tell you one thing, there's few programs equipped to do something like that. Clemson is one of them. So that's going to be something interesting to watch a storyline. But I mean, I know we're going to go more in depth on this, but I'm excited to watch how much has JT Daniels matured. Um, I know that this is kind of, you know, we talk about the weapons. I mean, Georgia's had weapons for days. I mean, the running back room is the most talented in the country. There's no question about it. Receiving, to me, has taken a massive step up. I mean, George Pickens obviously won't be able to play, but um, I was looking at a depth chart the other day, and it had it had Darnell Washington and Eric Gilbert on the field at the same time. I, and I was talking about how do you defend that? Like yes. I, that's, and you're not even talking about Kyrus Jackson, a guy who's you know showed flashes last year of being a legitimate number two, number one receiver in the SEC. Um, you know, uh, Dominic Blaylock, if he comes back full healthy, there's a ton of talent. But as we know, you got to have a guy that can get the ball to him. Right. And if JT Daniels takes a step up from what we saw last season. Um, I've posted some stuff. I know you guys too. And there's always the Georgia haters. Oh, it's always Georgia's year. I'm telling you this to me, if Georgia wins this game, it sets the tone for the rest of the year. Now, I don't think it knocks either team out of playoff conversation. That's what makes it fun. It's going to have a playoff-like atmosphere. They can still get the playoff if they need to. I think Clemson has a harder path than Georgia does because if Georgia loses this game, they still have potentially Alabama sitting in an SEC title game. And as you know, you're an SEC guy, me too. Um, if you win the SEC, or sometimes even if you're the runner-up, you're going to get in right. to the college football playoffs. So this game to me has all the makings of this is what, as a fan base, as a you know college football fan, you want this one right out of the gate, and it's, and it's going to be exciting. Yeah, it's going it's to be great. Now for me, you know, I, I know the position players get, uh, you know, the skill players get all the attention. JT Daniels, mm-hmm. uh, Lele and and you know the running backs and all of that, and our receivers. But for me, as I, I kind of study this and then kind of an amateur analyst, I guess, I, it, for me, as in most the case for most football games, this thing is going to be won or lost in the trenches. I, I think yes. uh, whoever controls the line of scrimmage, whoever can protect their quarterback, whoever can open up holes for the running backs, whoever can you know stop uh, the running game and the passing game, put pressure on the quarterback, down in the trenches. And as I study mm-hmm. this this game and, and just look at the personnel, uh, to me, boy, it looks so even. I mean, you have such talent on both sides of the uh, of the the line of scrimmage. Um, you know, it looks so. I, I anticipate. Now, I don't think it's going to be a low scoring game. I don't think we're going to have a ten to seven game. I think those games are a thing of the past with the offenses mm-hmm. we have now. But you know, I, I think we're going to have like a 38-35 game or something like that. I think it's going to be up in the air until the end. Of course, I'm mm-hmm. hoping that. Um, Georgia is going to win uh, the game. But as you look at the line, just the line of scrimmage, uh, just offensive and defensive lines, do you see anybody who has the advantage, uh, you know, from either team? Well, you talk about Georgia, and this is a team that's going to be returning four starters, including the veteran Jamari Sawyer on that left side. I think that's huge because you talk about Clemson's defensive line. linebackers, too. Yes, yeah. And you you talk about Clemson's defensive line. Uh, against Georgia's offensive line. That, to me, is an underrated storyline because, like you talked about, the skill position guys, they get all the love. Um, but the big men up front, to me, we know what Georgia loves to do. And I'll tell you this, even with Todd Munkin's second year, all this stuff, um, I don't see them getting away from the run. They're, they're just too talented in that category. 
Um, they're going to pass, and I think we're going to see some different. They're going to be able to air it out and get more vertical than they have been, have been able to in years past. But you talk about Clemson's defensive line. I mean, they, it was a group that when they won the national championship and had that run where it felt like every year it was Clemson, Alabama. It was really, and, and don't get me wrong, Deshaun Watts and all these other guys were very talented, but they were led by a defensive line that put several guys in the NFL. Last year, I don't think they quite had that. They had a younger group. But when you look at what they have this year, some of those top guys have taken a step up. To me, that's 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 the matchup to key in on. I think that Georgia's offensive line, and correct me if I'm wrong, I think uh, was it Warren Erickson that was slated to be one of the starters. Right. He's actually out for a little bit with a little bit of an injury. Yeah, so he has a hand injury. Somehow he got, yeah. uh, got it crushed, and of course he needs his, he needs his hands, obviously. Yes, obviously. So I think... Um, the good thing about it is Georgia has the depth to insert somebody in. We know that a lot of these guys get reps. But I, I think if you had to swing one way or the other, I always sit in the camp when you return three-plus starters on the offensive line, I always give credit there. Even though Clemson has a very talented defensive line, to me, um, returning those four guys, and even if Erickson can't go slating somebody else in there, I would have to give Georgia the edge because to me, and, and they're way too talented to play like they did at some point last season, where there was, you know, there's a couple games where you're like, that doesn't look like the Georgia offensive line that we've heard and, and seen for the past couple of seasons. So I would give the nod slightly, like a 51 to 49% to Georgia in that category. And like you said, I think too, that's going to determine what it comes down to because both quarterbacks are talented. Both defenses have the ability to fly around the ball. Um, it's going to come down who controls the trenches. I mean, JT, you can't be too effective if you're being chased around the backfield the whole game, or if you can't get a running game, you can't get positive yards. Yeah, and I, you know, I, I, I think it's going to also uh, going to be very important to have a fast start in this game. Uh, you know, the nerves mm -hmm. are going to be there. You know, and, and the ner the nerves are going to show. But boy, you can't have those early mistakes and turnovers mm -hmm. and that kind of thing. Uh, I, I think the team that establishes itself. Uh, more quickly than the other one as, as far as getting into a rhythm offensively and, and being effective defensively that's going to mean so much it's going to be there's going I've got jitters and I'm going to be watching it on television yeah and I've already got butterflies in my stomach I can't imagine being on the field and uh, ABC national audience ESPN and all the razzmatazz uh, connected with that there uh, but whoever gets out of the of the box early, JT Daniels having you know a good first quarter or whatever, and Wayanga Lele doing uh, his thing, I think that's going to be just so very important. I don't think I've I haven't anticipated a game like you know for me anticipated a game mm -hmm. more than I do this one. I you know last year Georgia Florida looking forward to that. Georgia Alabama looking forward to that. But they, this seems to be on a different level, does it? Do you? It, it does, and it's interesting you bring that up. I had this conversation um, with somebody the other day on the 24-7 sports side covering Georgia, and he said he would argue that this hasn't been the most anticipated game really since the Notre Dame games. And I think just because of the history between the two teams, obviously the national championship Georgia won. Uh, but, but you talk about this game, what it means. I mean, it means everything. It's the first game of the season. To me, if this is not the game of the year, First off, that means we're in store as a college football fan for something well beyond uh, what Georgia Clemson could mean. Yeah. But when you talk about the anticipated, I mean, it's a litmus test. I mean, to me, that's what it is. If you want to play, if, if Georgia wants to get rid of the critics saying they you know, can't. And, and, and it's interesting, too, you, you say that because both of these programs have had a history of 
Clemson has the term Clemson years ago. They couldn't win a big game. Georgia for so long, and listen, I love Mark Rick, but you know, for so long there were the critics saying he couldn't win the big game. And even to an extent, Kirby can't get over the hump or something like that. And I don't necessarily agree with all those, but uh, this is a litmus test. If you want to quiet some of those doubters, uh, you win this game, you set yourself up for on Clemson's side, they are going to face an ACC slate where, to me, there's no other team that should come close on paper to beating them. Uh, Georgia, listen, you still got to play Auburn. Anytime you go to Jordan-Hare, that's scary. And I'll just say, you know, I grew up in Columbus. We went to plenty of Auburn games growing up. Anytime you have to play, I don't care if they are 3-9 and or what their record is. That's a a tough place to play. Obviously, you have the Florida game. Um, There's a couple of interesting other games on Georgia's schedule. But this is a litmus test for me. And like you said, to me, it's one of the most highly anticipated anticipated season openers um, that we've seen, I would say, in the past five to ten seasons. I mean, there's been some other games – that we, I feel like we're, we're had to, I feel like the best way to put it, there's been some other games where you had to pump up artificially. This game, you can just let it be and ride it out till, you know, September the 4th, and it's going to have all the hype that you want. Yeah, I think so too. And, and the fact we're coming out of the pandemic and we had, you know, the limited uh, attendance uh, thing last year in college football, and this year we're going to get right, right out of the shoot. You're going to have 90,000 folks in the stadium. It's going crazy. Looking forward to it very much. All right, we're going to take a break here on our program. Bryce Kuhn with us, and uh, we'll be back in just a moment on today's Sports Report. Don't go away. We'll be back in just a moment with more of today's Sports Report with Matthew Hall. The only thing better than winning between the hedges on Saturday is coming home to this on Sunday. On the football field, I'm a coach. At home, I'm a dad. The field is where legends are made, where boys become men, Dreams become reality and teammates become family. Family is the most important thing. It's everything we have. And home is where a family's memories are made. So when the time comes to finance your home, make the smart choice and get your home loan with Southeast Mortgage. Dog Nation, get ready to meet us at the Mets. I think we've got some unfinished business to handle. You all ready for the dogs to be let out of the cage? Let's go. Thank you for joining us and welcome back to today's sports report with Matthew Hall. All right, we're back with Bryce Coon on today's Sports Report, and we're talking a little bit about uh, University of Georgia football and the opening game of the season uh, coming up. Obviously, everybody knows, even those on the moon know. It's September the 4th, uh, Georgia and Clemson. But let's turn the page a little bit. Now, for, uh, the, the, you know, 247 Sports, you are uh, the Georgia Tech writer for uh, 247 mm-hmm. Sports. And uh, so you, you're involved with the Georgia Tech program now. You know, being Georgia fans, uh, we, we certainly hope that Georgia Tech just always falls flat. But, you know, uh, we, we do want to talk a little bit about what's happening uh, with uh, Georgia Tech. Now, on the same day that uh, Georgia and Clemson open up on September the 4th, Georgia Tech will open up with uh, Northern Illinois. I think at the same time, 7.30 if I remember. 7.30, yeah. And, 7.30 and, p.m. And so, uh, you know, Georgia Tech and Northern Illinois... Now, not to sh- sell Northern Illinois short, they've had a pretty decent program mm-hmm. and uh, have gone to pro- uh, 
you know, bowl games and that kind of thing. But it's kind of interesting uh, that you have Georgia, Georgia, uh, Georgia and Clemson and in Georgia Tech and Northern Illinois. Now, you're kind of close to the Georgia Tech program. Uh, of course, it's a program we love to hate around here, but uh, we do want to talk about them a little bit. What do you, what do you, you know, Jeff Collins, you know, I personally, I like Jeff Collins. I, I think he's mm-hmm. a good football coach. Uh, I, I think he's a little limited in what he can do at Georgia Tech, but I think he's working on it. I hope the folks at Georgia Tech, in fact, uh, give him uh, some space uh, to, I think he's on the right track. Now, I just like, I'm a, I, I like Jeff Collins, you know, and. And if he wins every game other than the Georgia game, I would I, I wouldn't quibble with that at all. Mm-hmm. But but what about Georgia Tech? As 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 we begin this season, they're down a little bit. They've been down for the past few seasons. Have flashes here and there. Uh, but but what do you see uh, about our, our our in-state rival? What do you, what do you see about Georgia Tech this coming season? Well, first off, uh, you pointed out a great uh, fact that I was going to say anyways, but you talked about how Georgia fans, you always want to see Georgia Tech fall flat. And I was in that camp as a Georgia fan growing up. I don't want to see Georgia Tech winning a game. You know, it's, <laughs> but I think, too, and I'll even throw this, you know, typically the rivalry is is the, the Georgia Tech, Georgia, clean old-fashioned hate is usually the Saturday after Thanksgiving, and it's usually the noon kickoff leading up to the Iron. And, and a great thing I always say about this is Georgia fans should want Georgia Tech to be successful because you want that game to mean something. To me, it's gotten to the point a little bit, and I'll get into what I expect from Georgia Tech this season, but I wanted to start off with this. I believe that Georgia Tech, if, if they are, and I'm not talking about championship level, we're not talking about 11-1 and one or 10-1 and one rolling into Sanford Stadium or playing over to Bobby Dodd against Georgia. Talking about a respectable eight and four, eight, you know, nine and three, something we saw under the Paul Johnson years a couple a couple of times. You want that game to mean something because right now people are still in their food coma from Thanksgiving and they're and they're flipping over. Oh, Georgia Tech's playing. Okay, it's forty eight to you know seventeen. Let's just wait until the Auburn Alabama game comes on the CBS at thirty. I mean, that's what it's kind of turned into. I think Georgia fans should want Tech to stay take an elevated step up. You can, they can always be the little brother. I understand that. But you want, them to, you, want, you want to see your little brother be successful against some of those other programs. But talking about Georgia Tech, listen, you hit the nail right on the head. Jeff Collins, um, to me, he's the right guy for the job. Uh, he has marketed this program extremely well. Um, they sit in the midtown Atlanta area right there amongst all these companies and everything. And to me, they've done a great job of brand exposure when you talk about the new age of college football. But the big thing at, at uh, ACC Media Days and when we were up on campus for you know, the opening of fall camp of the day is the questions is, okay, all of this is great, the excitement, and give them credit, they've had three straight top 40 recruiting classes. I mean, that's something that you really didn't see all that much. And they're pulling some real studs out of the state of Georgia and, and the Atlanta area. But when does all of this hype turn into wins? And so obviously two seasons ago, they were three and nine. And then what I think is so detrimental is the COVID season for a program like this. They really needed those non-conference games to build because their only non-conference game was UCF. And we all know about UCF. They're one of the top tier group of five programs and really a perennial top 15 team in the country. So you think about this. I mean, this is something where they really needed that year. To me, that was a lost year. And I think I've talked with some tech fans about that. You know, you got to give, like you said, you got to give Colin some time because I do agree that there are some limitations about the Georgia Tech job, much like, you know, other programs like a Vanderbilt mm-hmm. in the SDC. But there's no reason to me why Georgia Tech can't be a consistent eight to nine win team at their peak and go to a bowl game every year. And to me, with the occasional with what we saw under Paul Johnson, they made two Orange Bowl appearances winning one of them. 
Right. I mean, and, and and so to me, there's no reason they can't do that. I don't, I don't want to say that they can't be a national championship contender because I'm also not in the camp of saying things can't happen just because they've never have. I mean, that's one thing I, I don't like that because we who knows. But I think they built the program well. But I'll tell you this, man. When you look at this schedule, you talk about Northern Illinois and Kennesaw State. Um, listen. Kennesaw State, that, that's not even a sleeper because Kennesaw State's one of the top FCS programs. And they, got, they run the option. They control the clock. But you look, North Carolina, that's a, technically a neutral site game in Mercedes-Benz at Clemson. And then you round out your regular season going to South Bend playing Notre Dame and then home versus Georgia, which we know there's going to be more red and black there probably than gold and white in Bobby Dodd because of how well Georgia travels. This is not an ideal schedule. If you gave me those four losses, okay, and let's just chalk it up, just let's go by Vegas numbers. To me, they realistically could win every single game on that schedule outside of Miami. Yeah. Uh, Miami would be tough. It's on the road. We know about Miami. They've stacked the transfer portal. Uh, they've done a good job. Derek King came back for another year. He's a you know big-time talent here in college football, especially at the quarterback position. But when you look at the schedule, I mean, it's not favorable. They know that. I would not put it outside of them to pull off maybe one upset this season. And I would like to see, and we'll know more about Notre Dame at that time, they need a program, they need a win for the program, even if they go six and six this year, that said, or five and seven that says, okay, we know we can compete. Because losing to Clemson like they did last year, which legitimately looked like a Division II program against a D1 of, of SEC program or ACC like Clemson, that's never going to cut it. And um, fan base-wise, at some point you have to win. We, we, we know that. You, ha- you have to be able to win. And I think that's just the big question that's looming. But like I said, last year hurt you because you had the, the weird year. But I'm telling you, from a talent perspective, you know, everyone knows about, uh, and he's, he's from my neck of the woods, Tank Bigsby, the running back that went to Auburn, who's from LaGrange, Georgia area, Callaway High School. But there's a, there's a running back to me that is just as good as in Georgia Tech's running back room as Jameer Gibbs, who's mm-hmm. a four-star yeah. out of the Atlanta area. Yeah. And if he would play on a better team last year, he would receive more national recognition. They have all the talent and the ability in the world to be able to do those things. And like you said, with Georgia's offensive line, I was talking with senior offensive lineman Ryan Johnson the other day for Georgia Tech. The self-inflicted wounds are going to have to be limited. Yeah. They can only go as far as you can't shoot yourself in the foot on every single drive. They had one of the lowest percentages, red zone efficiency percentages in the country. Yeah. And, um, you, and and don't even get the fact that they had a field goal kicker, and it's no disrespect, they couldn't hit anything outside 30 <laughs> I yards. I think I could do so, better than that. <laughs> exactly. So, and, and I don't mean to ramble, yeah, but I know. Uh, it's one of those things where you think about a true freshman quarterback that knows he almost has to skip in the end zone every single time he goes down the field. They got some transfers in. They have the building blocks, but it's just going to be a uh, it's going to be a tough seat. Yeah. That's I, I think so. Yeah, USA Today put out its top twenty-five uh, this past Tuesday. The Yellow Jackets will play five teams in the poll, all ranked sixteenth or higher. Number two, Clemson. Number five, Georgia. Number seven, Notre Dame. Number nine, North Carolina. Number sixteen, Miami. Also, three more opponents on the Georgia Tech schedule got votes for the top 25, Virginia Tech, Pittsburgh, and uh, Boston College. And Kennesaw State was uh, ranked number 19th in the FCS. And that uh, division's preseason poll, it's uh, going to be a challenge uh, for uh, Georgia Tech. And 
But I wish them the best. I mean, you know, I, I agree with you. I, I, I think Georgia Tech needs to succeed. I think, I, you know, I'm kind of a Georgia guy as far as the state is concerned. I, mm-hmm. I, I want to see Georgia Southern do well. I want to see Georgia do well. And it doesn't bother me one bit if Georgia Tech, uh, you know, has a good season. Uh, and, and of course, we want Georgia always to win the, the game that they play together. You know, I remember, and let me date myself, I remember the Bobby Dodd days. I remember players like Billy Lothridge, Brent Cunningham, Lenny Snow, Bill Curry. I, you know, I remember those days. I, you know, those were, I, I suppose, the glory years for Georgia Tech football. And I remember, and, and, and you know, I'm really di- dating myself now. The Georgia-Georgia Tech game would be on Saturday. On Thursday, on Thanksgiving Day, the freshman teams of Georgia yeah. and Georgia Tech would play each other. And uh, it would be for the benefit of, uh, I think, the Scottish Rite Children's uh, Hospital in Atlanta. I mean, those were the glory days uh, for uh, uh, Georgia Tech uh, football. And, uh, you know, I, I wouldn't mind them getting back to that and, and making the rivalry between Georgia and Georgia Tech really meaningful again. And, uh, you know, I, I know I kind of dated myself a little bit, but, uh, you know, I'm, I would love to see that. I think it's going to come down to recruiting, and you got to have the players. You just got to have the players these days. But you know, there are a lot of players out there. Uh, Alabama and Georgia and Clemson can't get them all, so you have some available. And if you get them and coach them up, hey, you could have something. And uh, so I hope that happens uh, with Georgia Tech. Now let's talk a little bit. Just kind of turn the page quickly as we come to the end of our program about uh, Texas and Oklahoma coming into the SEC. Now, that's been a hot topic, of course, uh, for people who are involved in the SEC, looking at the SEC. And and obviously, it seems as if it is a done deal. Uh, some of the politicians in Texas are trying to, to you know, uh, get in the way, but I don't think they're going to be successful. So you're going to have Texas and Oklahoma coming into the SEC. And I've seen all kinds of scenarios. Okay, now what are you going to do? Uh, how are you going to divide the SEC into divisions? And uh, one scenario that I've seen more than others, I guess, is Texas, Oklahoma coming into the SEC West, Alabama, Auburn coming into the SEC East. Mm-hmm. Then I've seen the idea of four pods, you know, having four like subdivisions and then kind of working through. Uh, you, you'll play the team in your pod every year, and then you'll kind of, you know, the schedule will take you around the league. Very interesting. You know, who would have thunk it? I remember the yeah, Southwest Conference, you know, and all of that, <laughs> and the Big 12, and now those things are kind of dissolving away. I just wanted to, you know, get your thoughts on Texas and Oklahoma coming into the SEC. And, and you know, what about the, uh, your, you know, you do coverage for ACC as well. So what about the ACC and and mm-hmm. are they going to add some guys? Is Notre Dame finally going to become a full-fledged part of the family? What do you think about all that? Well, first off, I'm a bit I'm a bit of a uh, old school on this on this whole thing. I I love the regionality, if, if yes. that's even a word, of college football. Yes, I you know the best example I have to point is I live in Columbus, right along Interstate 85. And you have fans here that were born and loved the Auburn Tigers and born and loved the Georgia Bulldogs. If you go to pod play and for some reason I've seen some, you know, of these things and you lose that rivalry um, or you lose some of these rivalries, to me that just crushes what makes college football the tradition of it. So, and, and I get it too, it's a money grab. We're going after the green and the dollar TV deals. 
But I'm telling you, you talked about the Southwest Conference. I, I would be okay if we just went region out of the whole way. If yeah. we just said, okay, I'd you play it. within your region, almost like, almost to an extent, like a high school football type of thing, like they do in, in the GHSA, where you have, you play in your region, you win it, you continue to move on, and eventually you play a state champion or a national champion. Um, so I think I, that that's kind of my baseline of this whole thing. So you probably say, well, how do you feel about it? I don't, that leaves me, I don't love Texas and Oklahoma to the SEC. I understand why they did it. Give credit to Greg Sankey. And this is actually, here's a nugget that I haven't really dropped anywhere, but I was, when we were ACC media days, it was the day of, and the ACC's new commissioner is up speaking. He, the, the, none of the news has dropped that Texas, Oklahoma are rumored to leave. This is a Wednesday afternoon. And a Wednesday morning, and Greg Sankey, who we all know is on the college ball playoff committee, is walking past. And I just now, in retrospect, I think to myself, "Holy cow! This guy knew the whole time what he was doing." <laughs> yeah. It's one of those things. It's almost like he he knows what's about to happen. He knows all the rumors that are about to drop. And credit to him. I mean, essentially, what I feel like Greg Sankey said was, okay, you want to extend the playoff to 12 teams? We're going to do all we can to position ourselves to get as many teams as possible into the playoff. Um, So give credit where credit's due. You talked about what kind of happens. To me, the next domino to fall is we're going to have to see what the Big 12 does. Um, I've talked about this. Iowa State, they're a fun program. To me, they're a sleeper program in college football. They returned almost everybody. They've got a Heisman-level running back. Uh, playing there, Brock Purdy at quarterback. But the problem is, is the Big 12 just lost two of their biggest brands. When you think of Big 12 football, and especially in this, I don't know what the age group of your listeners, this may date me even a little bit. I even put Nebraska in that category. You know, of of Big 12 football was this kind of Midwest football that you had these big brands, especially going back to the 90s with Nebraska. You just took, in the past 15 years, you took Nebraska, Texas, and Oklahoma out. I mean, Baylor doesn't carry the same type of weight. Oklahoma State doesn't. They're all good programs and no offense to them. They just don't carry the weight, which the TV deals and the money, how that works out. Um, So to me, the next domino fall is going to be, what does the Big 12 do? You talk about the ACC. I've talked about this. I don't know if there's a program outside of Notre Dame that adds much value to the ACC. To me, any deal that will have to be made has to involve Notre Dame coming full flesh. The big problem with that, Notre Dame has their massive TV deal with NBC that they pull in and rake in money. Um, And if you go look at the financials, uh, the ACC benefited greatly from that last year because Notre Dame was forced because they couldn't play a conference schedule because everybody said we're only playing conference only. They had to join and they had to dividend that uh, money out to the rest of the conference. But the biggest thing is you have to add Notre Dame. And then, you know, there's been talks of, well, maybe West Virginia. Regionally, they might make, uh, you know, sense for them. Uh, even I've seen Penn State as some type of conversation with where they've been. That'd be interesting. I think I think uh, to, to take it a step further, the conversation is, well, what about UCF? You know, they'd be a great option. To me, the American Conference is going to do all they can to hold on to what they have and pick up some of the leftovers like an Oklahoma State or a TCU or a Baylor to try to emerge as the new fifth power conference. They've got to make sure they keep everything intact. But uh, I know that that's kind of a lot. I love regionality of college football, so I'm not a massive fan growing up a Georgia fan. And I know your listeners, man, it hurt. It hurt to lose to Florida. It hurt to lose to Auburn. And I don't think the same – there's no tradition and feeling there towards Texas or Oklahoma. Listen, Georgia had one of the greatest playoff games we've ever seen against Oklahoma in the Rose Bowl, one of the greatest Rose Bowls we've ever seen. Um, but it just doesn't mean as much to me uh, with that aspect of it. And so 
you know, the, one of the great things about rivalries in the SEC is you have this deep-rooted tradition. I'm not against change. Um, I just, you know, I love the tradition that college football holds. I love the SEC. Um, and so I hate the fact of that you may lose some of those things. And two, I'm not a big fan of the fact that there's some teams that have never come to Athens. Like Texas A&M until two years ago, had they never played each other. They've been in the conference since 2012. Right. To me, with this, you're going to have some of these matchups. You're going to lose tradition, and then you're really never going to establish it because uh, it's going to be a scheduling nightmare, which you could have a whole other podcast episode on what the SEC is going to do scheduling-wise. they got to go to nine conference games, pod, what what all they're going to do. Yeah, it's, it's you know, it, I'm, I'm with you. I'm a traditionalist, and I take change very difficultly, uh, you know, with great <laughs> difficulty at times. Uh, but I, I love my college football, and I kind of, you know, I want to – you got to have Georgia, Florida. You got to have Alabama yes. and, and Auburn. You got to have Alabama and LSU. You, you mm-hmm. know what a great rivalry that is. So you you got to have those things. And but you know the bottom line is money. And uh, you know you you follow and you snake through the motivation for Texas and Oklahoma coming in uh, to uh, the conference. And whatever people may say. The bottom line is it's got to do with the dollars. And so anyway, things are uh, changing uh, in college football, and we'll see how that uh, comes down. Quickly, one more other point. Are we going to go to a 12-team playoff system uh, or or a team uh, playoff? And, uh, you you know, you got four. Are we going to go to 12 or eight or whatever it may be? You know, the clamor is for more than four, uh, maybe eight. Will we go to 12? What do you think? And what will that do to the bowl system? I mean, oh, my goodness. So what do you think? Well, the interesting thing is I think it will expand whether we like it or not. Whether you're on board, you're going to have to be forced to get on board. Um, Because, like I said, it's all about the money. If they can sell sell more commercials and sell more time slots for games, they're going to find a way to do it. And then you talked about bowl games. I don't know if you, you know, you utilize some of the bowl sites, some of those tier two bowl games that are not a part of the playoff like you know the traditional florida bowls like your outback bowl or your gator bowls stuff like that um i I don't know i think that uh i think we're gonna i think in 10 years we're gonna have the term meaningless playoff game and i hate that (laughs) yeah i think i think at some point i had that and listen it's gonna be cool that every single time that one time that you know a you know a couple years ago western michigan ucf cincinnati they make the run through the gauntlet but i think in 10 years we're gonna have the term by that time, well, it's just a meaningless playoff game. We're not going to watch that. We'll go eat dinner with the family, and I'll wait till the semifinals. And, and to me, I hate that because I love what college football. I love the, all the hands on deck. And to me, you could have honestly meaningless out of conference games. We talked about what this whole show is about, the Georgia Clemson. Game. I mean, if you had a twelve team playoff, it wouldn't matter if you lost forty eight to nothing. I mean, Georgia could still get in. I mean, if you're one of the top twelve teams, you could still find a way in. And Man, I don't. Uh, I, I'm also a little bit old school in that. I, I don't. Didn't grow up in the camp of uh, everyone gets a trophy. Yeah. So uh, you, you got to earn your way there. And, and so I like. I mean, I didn't have necessarily a massive problem with the BCS. The 14 playoff is a fun thing for me. I don't want to see it go 12. Six wouldn't be bad if you wanted to give the first two automatic buys and let everyone else kind of play it out. Uh, give somebody a seat at the table. But yeah, well, we'll We'll see. I'm not. Uh, I'm not. I'm not fully on board with 12 teams, but I think we may be heading that way. Hey, Dabo says there's not 12 teams good enough in the country to be in the in the playoffs. So he, he may have. Dabo a says a lot of things. <laughs> he says a lot of things. Yes, he does. But I, I, I truly, I truly, I'm kind of on board because I don't want to see a four-loss Utah, right. you know, or a three-loss uh, team playing a one-loss Alabama team that just 
you know, you're going to have the occasional upset. But like I said, I think in five to ten years, we're going to have a term meaningless playoff game. And I, I hate to see that. Yeah. Well, you know, I think. Why not put all 64, you know, like in the uh, basketball tournament? Let's go, let's college have let's go March Bay. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and uh, let's go from there. All right. Well, Bryce <laughs> Coon has been with us today. And, Bryce, we appreciate so much you joining us on our program today. It's been a lot of fun just talking, just two guys talking about sports mm-hmm. as if we were sharing a Coca-Cola together. Or uh, Pepsi-Cola for those fans. Uh, so we, appre- <laughs> we appreciate you being with us today. Thank you so much. We'll hook up again soon, and we'll talk some more sports uh, as the season goes by. And be sure to check out uh, the Crowded Booth uh, podcast. It's a great podcast. That uh, where, where can folks uh, access that, uh, Bryce? Yeah, we're on uh, Anchor. We're also on Apple Podcasts. We have Apple Device and also Spotify. So we're putting out uh, episodes. We're doing kind of doing a uh, preview right now. we got a lot of stuff coming up because, like you said, I know you guys are ready, man. College football's here. I love baseball. We talked about the Braves, but – to me, especially growing up in the Southeast, there's nothing quite like college football. We're ready to go. All right, Bryce, thank you for being with us. And join us again next time on today's Sports Report brought to you by UGA Football News. Thank you for joining us for this edition of today's Sports Report. We thank our many fine sponsors for making our program possible. Be sure to join us for our next program as we keep you up to date with University of Georgia football and more. Until then, be safe and go dogs.